Tonight I draw your attention to the words that are found in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 14. Jesus went on to them walking on the sea. And so I consider with you as we close one boisterous and stormy year to enter another, I consider with you the sea trader. The sea trader, Jesus Christ, walking on the sea. The expression occurs twice. In verse 25 and again in verse 26. It's night time. The fourth watch of the night. That is just before dawn. It's still dark. Jesus went to his disciples. They're struggling in the midst of the sea. In the boat against the storm. They're battling. But he goes to them. Walking on the sea. And those struggling disciples, they witnessed it because in verse 26 it says, they saw him walking on the sea. This is new. We have not read of the Lord Jesus doing this before. They witnessed in the past Jesus talking to the sea. They saw him on occasion opening his mouth and saying to the boisterous waves of the sea, be silent. And they were still. But now they witness him not talking to the sea, but walking on it. The same creature that he talked to and told to be still, that same creature now he walks the back of it as if it were a great wheel walking upon it, striding over it, the same creature. That sight initially did not make them feel better when they saw the disciples. So strange this sight. They never saw anyone walking on the sea. It was so otherworldly. It was so terrifying that they thought it could only be a spirit. Tonight I want to reflect on this, on your Saviour congregation, walking, yes, walking on the sea. This, of course, is one of the many miracles of Christ. It's also recorded by Mark and by John. All three also record the miracle as taking place after the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. Both miracles are linked. Both miracles come together, but we're only focusing on the the latter miracle. Only Matthew tells us of Peter's failed attempt to do the same. It is interesting that John records it, because John, as you know, he does not very often repeat the material of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He's very selective, and he likes to choose new miracles. And there are seven miracles in John's Gospel prior to the Lord's resurrection. Five of them are unique to John. Turning the water into wine. The healing of the official son in Capernaum. The healing of the invalid at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. 
the healing of the blind man, the man born blind in Jerusalem, and the raising of Lazarus from the dead, those five unique miracles to John. But he also records and repeats the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on the sea, and he puts both those miracles in the center, in the middle, in the heart. The feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that all four gospel writers record. So there's something special about these two miracles. And they're always linked. And in John's gospel, miracles are seen preeminently as signs. Seven signs he picks. Signs are something pointing to greater things, there's something more. The sign is real and true, the miracle is real and true, but it's, it's pointing to something even more important. Like the signs we have. The sign maybe says, pour it down, you know, five miles away, whatever. It's, it's telling you something more. It's pointing you to something greater. It's telling you to progress along the way, to come to that. The miracles are not ends in themselves, you know. They're leading us to Christ, to something greater, to go beyond. And John points out these signs to bring us to the true identity of Christ. They say, this is God. These are signs that the Lord has come. These are signs that God himself is among us, that the Son of God is here. They are proof that the word was made flesh and that he gives himself for the life of the world. That's why John wrote his gospel. He said there are many other signs Jesus did. I could write of them too, but these are the ones I've written that you may believe Jesus is the Son of God. They show his identification. They are the badges of who he is. And so this walking on the sea points to the divine sonship of Jesus the Messiah, a sign miracle. And that was the effect of the miracle. You'll read there in verse 33, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. So they saw what the sign was pointing to. They realized his identification and they worshipped him as the Son of God because he walked on the sea. So they looked away to the glory of him that the sign pointed to. And that's what we want to do, brethren and sisters. We always want to see the Lord. Not just study miracles. Not just study the story. But to know this one in the story and who the story points us to. So the feeding of the 5,000 and the walking on the sea are very special sign miracles in the Bible. Christ feeds us in the wilderness of this world and then as he walks upon the sea and he brings us his people into the haven of rest after the storm of life. He is the manna from above who feeds us his body and his blood, giving to us eternal life. And he's the sea trader who brings us through all the storms into the heavenly rest. 
And he does this because he's the only one who can do it. The Son of God come among us. So let us carefully attend to the words of the Holy Spirit in the text. There are several things in the text that I draw your attention to. There is, first of all, the place upon which the Lord walks. He went on to them walking on the sea. I emphasize the words of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says the sea. He walks upon the sea. Now this is important. And to show how important it is, I point out that the writer does not use other words that he may have used. He does not say the lake. He does not say the water. He does not say Galilee or Gennesaret, the names of the lake. He uses the word sea. He walks upon the sea. Now, whenever people refer to this miracle, they almost nearly refer to it walking on the water. It never says that. Jesus didn't walk on the water. He walked on the sea. All the evangelists write that. Matthew, Mark, and John, they write that. All the say on the sea. Walking on the sea. That's very important. He is the sea trader. Not just the water trader. Is there a difference? Of course there's a difference. Yes, there is a difference. I raise to you this glass. This, this is water. It's still. It's not deep. doesn't cause any trouble. It gives life. It's nice. Here is water. It's not sea. We have waters of baptism. Uh, the people when they were baptized said, here is water. What, what prevents me from being baptized? It's water. Water baptizes us and we're baptized with water and in water. Can any forbid water that these should be baptized? Well, it's not water that Jesus walks upon. It's the sea. The sea. Indeed it is. Now you'll notice that when Peter comes to walk on it, the vocabulary changes. Because it says there, verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. He doesn't say on the sea. He says, bid me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. The vocabulary is noticeably different. And it's not an accident. And all the writers in the Gospels do this. Peter doesn't walk on the sea. He walks on the water. He can walk on the water by faith. Jesus enables him to be upon the water. But only, only Jesus Christ is the sea treader. Walking on the sea. It's very important. Because Jesus is a unique person. He's a divine person. He's God. We may tread upon some waters. We may go through some waters. We may overcome some waters. But not the sea. Only God does that. 
only God. What is sea? Well, in the Bible, sea is deep, dark, chaotic, apparently uncontrollable. It roars. The roaring seas. It's like a monster. It contains monsters. Dark beasts, great beasts, come out of the sea in the Bible. It's a place of darkness, uncontrollable darkness. The Egyptians, they went into the sea against the sea trader, and not one of them remained alive. They, they were all drowned. And God's people only went through it because of the sea trader, the Lord who brought them through it. The sea contains the dead and drinks up the dead. You remember in the book of the Revelation, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. The character of the sea is that it tosses and turns and causes confusion and trouble. You can see the disciples in their boat. They're toiling, they're struggling, they're battling. The winds are contrary and it's nighttime, it's dark. It's a tossing sea, it's a troublesome sea, it's a chaotic sea. All these opposite and contrary forces, this chaos and the people of God are in the midst of it struggling in the ship. But there comes the sea trader, Jesus Christ, walking upon it. So that's the place that chaotic darkness and depth and noise. But then notice secondly how he transits it. Walking on the sea. Walking on the sea. Not flying over it. Not hovering upon it. Not sailing through it. Not swimming through it. But walking. Walking on it. Not running. Not in a panic. Not in a tizzy, but walking, calmly walking, step by step, slowly advancing, unhindered, every step sure, never sinking, no matter about the winds and the waves and the tossings and the ups and downs. He walks as if it's a straight path. The sea is his path, and he walks through it as if on dry land. Walking means contact with it. Not distance, not afar off, but on it. As on his creature. Literally on it. Using it. Advancing by means of it. Even up as all its ups and downs, he advances by means of it. In control of it as he goes through it. No panicking. No fearing. No turning back. Always in control. Walking. Just walking. It's just one word, but you can just see what the Holy Spirit is saying. As a king owns his estate, and he just walks on it. We might even translate it walking about, walking about on the sea. As if it's his estate. As if it's the land that he possesses. The word is used of the devil. Whenever he walks about on the earth seeking whom he may devour, as if he owns the earth, as if it's his world, and he can pick and choose and devour whoever he likes, like that wicked lion as he is. But Jesus, he walks about the sea, 
as one who's king over it. Thy way is in the sea, the Bible says. Thy path in the great waters. Thy footsteps are not known. So the calmness of it. Walking about on the sea. And then thirdly notice that it says. He went on to them. Walking on the sea. As he walks the chaos and traverses the chaos. His creature under his control. It is to his people that he walks towards as he traverses the sea. The sea trader comes to his people, to them, to them in the midst of the storms of life, to them facing and struggling the contrary winds, to them who are making no progress. They've been on the sea a long time and they haven't got anywhere near to the other side yet. There they are in the midst still not advancing but struggling and looking as though they're being overcome by the sea and in the danger of it but the sea trader comes to them he always comes to you in the storms of life and it's no storm to him it's his creature he walks the back of it he's in control of it These contrary forces make you panic. These contrary forces are dark to you. These contrary forces confound you, confuse you. They make you to be terribly afraid and upset. But Jesus comes to you upon those very forces. In control. His creature. That he has allowed to make your life a little boisterous at times. He never leaves you. Even in the storm of life, he's advancing towards you. Always having you in sight. Always eyeing you. Even yet, you'll remember that he was in the mountain praying as they're on the sea, battling and struggling. Even as he is now, at the right hand of God in the heavenly Zion, on the mountain praying, and his little church struggling in the sea, the sea of life. And on occasions he comes down as the sea trader, After he intercedes, he comes down walking to them on the sea. He will always come to you. He will not leave you comfortless. He will never leave you by yourself. In the worst of storms, look out for him. He will tread the beast as he comes to you. But then notice the identification What does it say in the text? Jesus went on to them walking on the sea. The name is brought in here very deliberately. And as he walks on the sea, he comes to them. And look at verse 27. Straightway he spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And so he rides the beast and he comes to them struggling against the beast and he says to them, don't be afraid. It's I. He identifies himself. And this, it is I, literally is, I am. I am. Don't be afraid. Be of good cheer. I am. The sense is, it is I, but 
It's the way that John, who particularly likes to use this word, I am, he uses it in that way too. So it's a moment of identification of Christ by the deed and in the deed, a self-revelation. The sea trader who comes to the side of the boat and takes hold of the side of the boat and says, I am. I am. And we know what that means because John is bringing all the sign miracles out to show that Jesus is I am. He feeds the multitude. I am the bread of life. He raises Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. He makes a man who was born blind to see. I am the light of the world. I am the sea trader. It is I. I am. Now if we say this, this is powerless. It's I. What is that going to mean if, if I go to you in your troubles? It's me. That's not going to do much for you. But when Jesus comes and says, I am. All that cheers us up no end. As he identifies himself to us in the sign, in the miracle. As he reveals himself. And so Jesus here, as he walks on the sea, is acting as Jehovah himself. And that's why the Holy Spirit uses the word walking on the sea. Because in the Old Testament, it's Jehovah that does that. The God who is Lord of the sea. What does this mean then in the light of the rest of the Bible? And in the light of our lives? The sea, as I said, it it forms a deeply theological picture in the Bible. It brings to mind all that the scriptures have to say about the sea. There's too much for us to go into here in, in any detail. We can think of the, pri- the primal sea, the sea at the creation, the chaos, the darkness of the matter unformed, all that chaos, that matter. Who's going to sort that out and make the cosmos out of the soup, the sea? And it's Jehovah. It's the sea trader who out of that chaos forms the cosmos it's Jesus who walks the primal sea and then we think of the Genesis flood the sea came up and destroyed the whole world and then we think of the Red Sea that the sea trader brought his people through and then we think of Jonah's sea and the depths And then Daniel's sea, out of which all those ugly beasts came forth. The sea that contains the dragon and Leviathan and the monsters of the deep. Jesus treads them all, walking on the sea. Jesus has all under his feet. The divine warrior who conquers all, who out of the chaos and the confusion makes worlds. Who against the darkness and the chaos brings peace and stillness. Who through all the contrary forces of the sea against his church treads it and brings them through it to the other side. It's Jesus. Jesus alone who conquers all and is sovereign over all. Job said, 
concerning God, which alone spreadeth out the heavens. He's talking about the creation. Jehovah, he spreads out the heavens, he makes the world, he lightens the stars, he gives the universe its existence. And then in the same breath he says, and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. The same one who creates the world is the same one who walks the waves of the sea, walking upon the sea. He's the one that Job spoke about, the sea treader. And that's why the gospel writers put it this way. The sea is as easy to him to walk upon as the dry ground. It's the same to him. You remember that vision we saw of the angel? I tried to show you then that it was Christ. The angel in the book of the Revelation, he is depicted as having one foot on the sea and the other foot on the land, on the terrestrial earth. His feet tread on both. The same, with the same ease, with the same power and authority. Sovereign over both. And the book of the Revelation, you might think that who's in control of the sea? That's where the beasts come from. That's where the dragons come from, from the deep. But the Lord has his foot on the sea as well as on the earth. He's sovereign. Always sovereign. The sea is his creature. And he made it. And he controls it. And he uses it for his glory. It means that he is the saviour who will bring us through the chaos of life through the chaos of death itself, the greatest sea that we must go through, the sea of death, onto the other side. Those seas that would overcome us, that would drown us, the sea of death, the sea of our own sins, all of this darkness and confusion, is there no hope? Is there none to save us? Is there none to bring us through? Is there none to help us? Is there none to come to us in all these storms? Is there one to get us through it? Is there one to bring us to the other side? Is there one who can help us? There is. Jesus, the sea trader. You can look to him. You can call upon him. Jesus, the conqueror of death, who mid the raging billows walked upon the sea, still can hush our wildest tempest as on Galilee. Yes, our only Savior, Jesus Christ. In the year ahead, we don't know how boisterous those waves are going to become, congregation. We don't know. We don't know how dark the night may be for us in the watch ahead. But we know Jesus. He will carry us through. And he will bring us into the haven of rest. So be of good cheer. Jesus says, I am. Look to me, be not afraid, but believe. Let us believe in him and trust in him in the year that is to come. And glory be to his name. Let us pray. We'll stand together, please.